Well, howdy, Huda Thunkers. This is your host, Zeb, back again with another Huda Thunk Thunk It podcast. This is season two, episode 13. That's in the big scheme of things, episode 53. I want to start off with a recommendation segment separate from the episode itself. For this episode, I wanted to recommend a book I listened to this past winter called Sapiens. I think I would call it an educational book, but it doesn't feel boring like most educational books. This isn't a textbook or anything. It is about the story of man, or men and women, as far as we know it, and a bit about where we're going, or the future of humanity. It's it's a very wide-reaching summarization of man, and I just found it interesting. Uh, the author Yuval Noah Harari, and very interesting perspective on humankind's past. Now into the episode. In November of 1859, Charles Darwin, Charles Darwin's On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection was published and sold out immediately. This publication introduced the world to the theory of evolution. In the decades that followed, humanity's worldview began to shift. Evolution provided so many answers to scientific questions, namely biology. It proposed contradictory claims to religious worldviews, but perhaps the most astonishing change the theory of evolution had in the world was its ability to spread among the common man, therefore influence how the vast majority of humans saw the world. It was a big deal. <laughs> uh, now, because of Darwin's discovery... Everyday people began to show an increased amount of interest in animals. One such everyday man, Wilhelm von Osten, began to ponder the intelligence levels of animals around him. Wilhelm von Osten was a gymnasium mathematics teacher, an amateur horse trainer, a prenologist, which is like alternative medicine, and something of a mystic. We would call alternative medicine and mystic sort of like pseudoscience, I guess, today. But back then, it was relatively normal to go into those sort of things. I just took it as Wilhelm von Austin was a very curious guy. And he took one of his prize stallions named Hans and claimed him to, trained him to communicate uh, by tapping his hoof. In time, Hans was trained to solve math equations, identify colors, read and spell, and even identify musical tones. When asked to do so, Hans the stallion was provided was providing answers that rivaled the intelligence of most humans during that time. Von Austin would ask Hans, If the eighth day of the month comes on a Tuesday, what is the date of the following Friday? Hans would answer by tapping his hoof 11 times. Questions could be asked both orally or in written form. Wilhelm von Austin would write a problem on a chalkboard, display it to Hans, and wait for Hans to start tapping his hoof. Using this method, Hans was able to give a correct answer about 90% of the time. That's very... That's a, that's a lot of correct answers. Whenever Hans tapped his hoof, the correct number of times, Wilhelm von Austin gave the horse a tasty treat. That's just how you train animals. News of this incredibly intelligent horse spread fast. Every day, everyone was talking about Clever Hans or Der Klug Hans in the original German language. That's your uh, explanation for the title of this episode. Der Klug is German for clever. Um, I'm actually learning the German language via Duolingo, so I thought I'd put the German, the original German as the title. Von Austin exhibited Hans throughout Germany and never charged admission. He never charged people to see it, which I think was a testament to his earnesty and his 
love for science and learning. Han's abilities were reported in the New York Times in 1904. So this was international news. This is world famous news. The German government launched a formal investigation. A total of 13 people were asked to look into clever Hans and to see if fraudulent behavior was afoot or to see if Hans really was a genius horse. Among this panel of 13 investigators was a circus manager, zoo director, veterinarian, cavalry officer, and they were all led by the philosopher-slash-psychologist Karl Stumpf. Now, together, they were known as the Hans Commission. The commission concluded in September of 1904 that no tricks were involved in Hans's performance. They were ready to declare Hans a genius horse until a student at the Psychological Institute at the University of Berlin named Oskar Fungst, decided to throw his two cents into the investigation. So Oskar Fungst is a student, right? He's not a honcho guy on the commission. He's just a student. So I thought that was interesting. But he is like the main rock star here who figured things out. The psychologist Oskar Fungst decided to run more tests on Hans and Wilhelm von Austin by isolating the horse and questioner from spectators so no cues could come from the spectators. Uh, using questioners other than the horse's master by means of blinders varying whether the horse could see the questioner and varying whether the questioner knew the answer to the question in advance. So basically, did Wilhelm von Austin know what he was asking the horse? You know, was it he was getting cues from the crowd? Was he getting cues from the questioner, you know, von Austin? It's it's pretty good, pretty good deduction skills here. Funkst ran a lot of trials and to rule out as much as he could, first he separated Hans from von Austin. Hans was still able to get the answer correctly without von Austin present, uh, which ruled out fraud, meaning he had someone else question the horse. Um, someone who he knew he trusted wasn't, you know, being fraudulent, probably himself. So von Austin wasn't deliberately trying to hoodwink the public, which I found good. No fraud here, but something else is going on. But then, through more trials, Fungst found that Hans's level of success depended upon whether the human questioner was within eyesight and knew the answer themselves. So, just to explain, if von Austin or anyone else asking the questions was given a chalkboard with a question on it, but wasn't allowed to look at the question themselves, Hans had about a 6% success rate. That's definitely failing. Also, whether the humans, the human questioner did or did not know the answer was irrelevant if Hans was unable to see the questioner. So if they were asking the question from the horse from the side and had blinders on, couldn't see the person asking him, he wasn't right either. So if Hans could see the person asking the question and that person knew the answer to the question, then Hans gave the correct answer 90% of the time. So here's the point where I ask you, my listeners and or blog readers, if you check the accompanying blog post, to think, how is Hans able to get the right answer so often under these specific conditions? But when these conditions aren't met, he only gets 6% of the right answers. Can you figure it out? I I wish I would have stopped and tried to figure it out myself, but I just kept reading and ruined it for myself. So take some time. Think about it. This horse has to be able to see the person asking the question. That's one of the specifications. Another specification is the person who's asking it has to know the answer. And there's no fraud. It's not like there's some trick that the person asking it is giving the answer to the horse, you know, on purpose. So what's going on here? Can you figure it out? Fungs concluded... Are you ready? I'm about to give it away. Fungs concluded that though Wilhelm von Austin's training method 
or through uh, Wilhelm von Austin's training method, Hans was very clever, but not how you think. No, Hans did not understand math, language, or music, so that's not the answer. Instead, Hans was able to read the human questioner's body language to determine at which hoof tap he was expected to stop. So that's a, a whole way around it, which is really interesting. And this horse was amazing at reading body language. As the horse's taps approached the right answer, the questioner's posture and facial expression changed in ways that were consistent with an increase in tension, which was released when the horse made the final correct tap. This provided a cue that the horse could use to tell it to stop tapping. The social communication systems of horses may depend on the detection of small postural changes, and this would explain why Hans was so easily picked up on the cues given by Von Austin, even if these cues were subconscious. He wasn't even trying to do it. So, by human standards, Hans was no genius, but he was able to read body language much, much more fru fluently than us humans. Uh, I bet he Hans was a killer at the poker table. <laughs> A little bit of horse humor. Moving on. Von Austin disregarded these findings, dismissing Funks' meticulous use of the scientific method to determine the source of Hans' success. Wilhelm von Austin went on to tour Europe with Hans, and they continued to gar gather large crowds. The rigor of Funks' trials and the detail of, uh, of his observations are considered classic early examples of experimental design in behavioral psychology. After Funks had become adept at giving Hans performance himself and was fully aware of the subtle cues uh, which made him possible, them possible, he discovered that he would produce these cues involuntarily, regardless of whether he wished to exhibit or suppress them. Recognition of this phenomenon has had a large effect on experimental design and methodology for all experience or experiments whatsoever involving sentient subjects, including humans. So it's had a like a huge impact on how we conduct experiments overall. Um, since then, the clever Hans effect, is, as it's been called, has also been observed in drug sniffing dogs. A study at the University of California, da California, uh, Davis revealed that cues can be telegraphed by the handler to the dogs, resulting in false positives. So that, I mean, I'm no lawyer, but if you ever, if you ever get busted by a drug dog, you might be able to use that. Be like, hey, the clever Hans effect says that dog probably just wanted your treat from you. Uh, Funk's final experiment showed that clever Hans effects can occur in experiments with humans as well as with animals. For this reason, care is often taken in fields such as perception, cognitive psychology and social psychology to make experiments double-blind, meaning that neither the experimenter nor the subjects know what condition the subject is in, and thus what their responses are predicted to be. So, like I said, it's that's where double-blind comes from now. So, the world of psychology grew quite a bit from the story of Clever Hans. But what happened to the horse himself? After von Austin died in 1909, Hans was acquired by several owners. He's probably like a hot topic everyone wanted this horse but after 1916 there's no record of him and his fate is unknown although highly unlikely more like virtually impossible perhaps der klug is this magical horse and is still out there somewhere tapping his hoof in beautiful symphony of music or solving mathematical mathematics greatest problems anyway Thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. Check out the accompanying blog post for the visual component to this episode. And until next week, I will catch you guys later. Hope you liked my little story of Der Klug Hans. <laughs> catch you later.